Texas, your truck and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today, I'm excited to announce we're launching a new segment. Joining me and doing all the heavy lifting is my friend Larry Wingett. Larry and I are going to talk about business, success, life, money, politics, and so much more. You can call in with your questions and ask us anything. I've got to warn you, be prepared for the truth. This isn't about feeling good. It's about doing what's right. It's about doing the hard work to live a good life that you can be proud of. Leave your feelings at the door. There's no political correctness in sight. You can listen to the show on SiriusXM and also on our podcast network, The Audio Road. Larry, welcome, and thanks so much for doing this with me. You know, I'm looking forward to this. I really am. This is going to be fun. And I love what you said about don't look to feel good. You know, change rarely happens from feeling good. It always change, uh, change happens from getting a bit uncomfortable, and I hope we make a whole lot of folks uncomfortable. Well, well isn't that why you're the, the world's only irritational speaker? Because you've got to get people irritated and uncomfortable to get them to change, right? You know, I always position myself that way, Kevin, because most motivational speakers try to tell you how great it is over there, wherever over there is, whether it be with your money, your health, your business, whatever. It's so wonderful over there. Let me tell you all the great things about it, and you're going to want to go. And nobody goes. Instead, I try to make you so irritated with where you are, you'll do anything to go over there. Hey, before we dive into this, you did agree to do all the heavy lifting on this show, right? <laughs> you know, if heavy lifting comes down to having an opinion, uh, I can definitely do the heavy lifting. All right, good. Hey, I, I was at your website. I, I'm there a lot. I've got it bookmarked. I start my day off there because there's always such great information. And, and by the way, if you're listening and you haven't been to Larry's website, head over there, bookmark it, LarryWingett.com. There is so much good information, and a lot of it's free. People love free stuff. Larry, you know... I thought you were slowing down, but when I go to your website, you've been busy. Oh, no. We lost Larry. You know what? This happened the last time we had Larry on the show. We will, uh, we're going to get him back in here really quick. Bridget's already working on it. Um, so hold on. Uh, I see him dialing, and they're coming in right now, so... We're going to figure out why this happens. Hey, Larry, I, I know we got you back. You know, this happened the last time you were on the show, and this doesn't happen with guests. We have to, I'm going to have to figure out why that's happening. We must be doing something wrong on our end or something. Well, I'm sitting here on a landline just talking away, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I didn't touch any buttons, so I know it wasn't me, but I'll, I'll get that figured out. So I was saying, and I don't know how much you heard of it, um, you know, I thought you were doing a little bit of slowing down these days, but when I go to your website, you've been busy. <laughs> well, slowing down for me is not being on an airplane as much. 
And uh, if I can stay off of airplanes, then for me that's slowing down. But I still stay plenty busy. Every single day I get up and think, how can I say something, do something that provokes thought? How can I get people thinking and acting differently? How can I remind them of their core values? How can I get them active in their own lives and businesses so they'll start to do better and, and reach the goals that up until now probably they've just talked about? And uh, for me, that doesn't take getting on a plane as much as it used to. Yeah, technology can be a wonderful thing when it comes to that. So, you know, speaking of thinking about things, and and I've been doing a lot of thinking about this, and I I saw a couple posts on your website. And a couple of these I want to talk about has, has to do with the president these days and how much attention he's getting, good or bad. We seem to be really focused. Did I really see a segment with you on uh, Fox where people are blaming their insomnia on the president now? <laughs> Is it, it's called Trump-induced insomnia. <laughs> he keeps them awake at night. You talk about giving your power over to somebody else. Uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. But, yeah, that's true. It's actually a condition now, Trump-induced insomnia. I, I guess it's going to become a syndrome. Because then somebody could develop a drug for it and make a ton of money, I'll bet. That's right. Uh, not that they could ever get their insurance to pay for it because there isn't <laughs> going to be any of that. <laughs> And then the other one that absolutely made me crazy. I remember seeing this in the news, and I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I thought it was a, a kind of a cool story. I had no idea that people would find a way to criticize this, but I I watched one of your segments, and sure enough, people actually found a way to criticize the the young man mowing the lawn at the White House. Yeah, that was the last time I was on uh, television talking about that, which is really just, what a damn shame that is, you know, and, and they brought up the ideas of child labor laws, Seriously, a kid gets entrepreneurial and wants to go out there and mow a yard and make a few bucks. And then they brought up OSHA and uh, how this was unsafe. I just am astounded, just like you said, you couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. What a great kid with great parents to teach him that sort of work ethic and to reach out and to ask. You get what you ask for and not what you deserve. And he did everything right, and yet... We had a whole group of people come up and talk uh, uh, really a lot of trash about the president, blaming the president, and this kid and the whole idea of a kid just wanting to get out there and make a little money and show that uh, he was you know, not only willing to work, but that he was willing to do the tough stuff by asking him the, the White House lawn to make a little money. When I first saw it, I thought, boy, that kid is going someplace. You know, that that is yep. just amazing to see that kind of initiative and creativity and drive to, to get that done. And, and then I didn't think much more about it. I didn't think this could become controversial in any way. But I guess everything today is Not controversial. Well, that's the sad part, is that we are seeking out ways to be offended. And we've moved it. Uh, a way I just did a little podcast about we just become so damn mean and we have we've moved it away from actions and into personalities and I think that's what's really sad 
you know, how can you blame the president for a kid mowing a yard? I mean, the the president go, didn't go out and ask him to do that. The kid asked to do that. But because Trump said it, uh, people are mad about it. Yeah, I mean, it works the other way. I'm not being one side or the other. When it comes to politics now, we don't give the other side credit for anything simply because the other side said it. You know, I'm sure that at some point in her life, Nancy Pelosi said something smart and had a good idea, but she's never going to get credit for that. Uh, it's just like the Harvey Weinstein deal. Boy, you want to get political quick? Let's go there. (laughs) So people are saying he's such a creep and he was such a pervert and all those things. Then now we aren't going to watch any movie that was ever produced from his company? It's ridiculous. And that's how crazy it has become. You know, when Everett Dirksen, Everett Dirksen in the 60s was Republican Speaker of the House, he had a Democratic uh, Congress to deal with, and a Democratic president. And here's what's amazing. During that time, uh, every politician there voted with their party, voted with their party about 55% of the time. It means you thought your party was right about half the time. Now we vote with our party 95% of the time. Ugh. We never cross lines. Now, because we're more interested in the politics behind it, which side is behind it, discounting the act, the bill, the words, completely because we've allowed personalities and brand to get ahead of good common sense. And that's dumb. That's how we lose great ideas. We ought to get behind the idea regardless of which party proposed it, which is kind of what Trump's doing. He says, to hell with them. I'll go with anybody who will get it done. You know, that is a really, really scary statistic. I had no idea it had, it had gotten that bad. I mean, I can see it today. I didn't realize historically that, that it used to be so much better. That 55% sounds like a good number. It is a good number. That means your party's right about half the time. You yeah. usually lean with your party, but you listen, you're open, you're willing to put party politics aside and say, what's really right for the country? But, you know, Kevin, we do the same thing in our own businesses. We do the same thing in our families. We, we need to be more open to ideas that move us forward, even if we don't like the personality that brings up the idea. I have people, and this is what I kind of like about having a following. I have people who hate me, who still buy my stuff. Because they're willing to hear an idea that might work for them. Absolutely. Hey, got to cut you off. We're going to get to a break. We're coming right back. We have lots more stuff. Don't go away. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett's with me today. We'll be getting to your calls in a little bit.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Larry Wingett is here with me. Larry, I, I have an example of this that, that just blew me away. I, I you hear bumper music on my show, and, you know, I pick different things. And I got this long, hate-filled message from somebody because they said I, I should not be playing Bruce Springsteen music on my show because they know that I absolutely disagree with his political views. And I thought, who cares what his political views are? I love his music. Yep. Yeah, and that's how ridiculous it has become. I hear the same thing. Um, uh, and people can drive it down to what's just inane, like the kind of music. I've had people say the same thing when I play Elton John music, when I post my Sunday song of the day. And uh, they bring on everything about Elton John. But I think Elton John's a musical genius. But they do the same thing when I posted Merle Haggard, and they say, you know, Larry, Merle Haggard was actually a Democrat. <laughs> Holy crap, I don't care if he was a Martian. It's stupid where we've taken all of this stuff. We need to get around some of this. And you're right, that's an absolute perfect example of what we're talking about, about how we treat Republicans versus Democrats. It's dumb. And we've got to get past this and focus our energy into accomplishment not on method so much. As long as we go back to a core value of truth, honesty, integrity, uh, self-reliance, and so forth, who, what difference does it make who said it or who came up with the idea? Yeah, along those lines, Lisa wanted me to remind you that uh, she loves everything about Cher except her politics, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I want to ask Lisa how she handles all that share stuff. I know she's such a huge fan. And the way you handle it is you just focus on what we're really hiring them to do, and that is to entertain us. I don't need to know their politics. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I have authors that I absolutely love. I, I don't care what their politics are, even when I know it doesn't affect me. I, I I want the entertainment. I appreciate their talent, what they've done, what they've given. I, I just, it seems like, and you see it so much now, we politicize everything. Yeah. So, and uh, I, I, I went on the news talking about that, how some things are not political. Our football shouldn't be political. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the examples we have right yeah. now, but we meant everything that. Yeah, yeah. You know, one more thing I saw, um, again, on on your blog, I love your stuff, your videos. Um, This one's a little on the lighter side. You know, you and I both love to eat. We love food. We love to cook. We love watching other people cook. I've had your food. It's darn good, but as hard as I could try, I couldn't taste any love in there. I'm so glad you brought that one up. I, I took a lot of heat over that, too, because people um, people love to talk about how love is an ingredient, and you watch a lot of Food Network just like I do, and they're out there interviewing chefs and so forth, and they say, what makes your fried chicken different? Than-? It's because I put the love in it. How do you do that? I can taste the salt, the pepper. 
I can taste all the spices, but love is not a spice, folks. You can't taste it. But people have gotten to the point in our language, which is just the denigration of business, in my opinion, to talk about love and passion as an ingredient. It has nothing to do. I don't love what I do. I enjoy it. I'm good at it. There are times I love it, but there's just as much time that I don't love it at all, don't enjoy it at all. But you know what? My customers, it doesn't matter whether I love it or not. They're not paying me for my love. They're paying me for the quality. We're judged on the quality of our work and how we back it up from a service standpoint, not how we feel, feel is an emotion, not how we feel about our work. You know, the the first time, and I've been watching, you know, food cooking long before we even had cable, way back when you had to watch PBS to find a, a good cooking show. And I don't remember the first time I saw that, you know, I put the love in. I, I thought it was kind of, you know, unique and interesting until everybody, and, and that's what you see anymore. We're, we're surrounded by media and the buzzwords kick in and pretty soon everybody's saying the same thing and it just gets so old. Yep. And that's what's going on with, uh, in my industry, the personal development, business development industry. Everybody ends up saying the same thing. And here's the deal. What I tell people, and I coach a lot of people how to become speakers and authors and so forth, everybody's solutions look pretty much the same. Show me a leadership speaker, and I can tell you the top five things you're going to teach in your leadership class, or customer service, or sales, or uh, a finance, a personal finance. People, they all say the same thing. It's never going to be, and this goes to any area of business, I don't care what your business is, it's never going to be how well you understand your solution. It's always going to be how well you understand your customers, your clients clients, your audience's problem. When you understand their problem and can articulate that to them in such a way that they can identify with you, so they say, this person gets me. They understand what I'm going through. That's when they'll buy into your solution. Solutions always look the same. Recipes always look the same. That's how it works. You know, along those lines, I do, you know, courses and teaching and seminars, and, and by the way, you helped me write my first book was something I had wanted to do for a long time, and you put together such an amazing outline, simple, on how to do it. It was do this, 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 and this. I followed it, and it worked, so thank you for that. But one of the things that people have asked me for over the years is they'll say, I really loved that topic or subject or whatever it was. And they'll say, when are you going to bring out the advanced course? And and in the beginning, I would try to go back and do that. And I finally realized in most things, there is no advanced course. Everything I just showed you is all you <laughs> need to do. <laughs> you know, I wrote Shut Up, Stop Whining and Get a Life. That was my first bestseller. And in that, I had a chapter on money and a chapter on parenting and a chapter on business and a chapter on uh, uh, goal setting and achievement. So I had all these different chapters. And my wife, when I finished, she said, okay, now what do you do? You can never write another book. You've told everybody everything that you know. <laughs> and uh, I laughed and I said, yeah, maybe that's the case. But then what I did was I took one of those chapters, like on business, and I turned that chapter into a book. And then I had a business book. And then I took the money chapter. And then I had a money book. And then I took the parenting <laughs> chapter. And then I had a parenting book. So you can always take one aspect of anything and blow that up and beat it to death. But what it really comes down to is a handful of principles 
that you can go out and base your life, your business, your parenting, your money on. That's what we need, more principles. But you have to get tactical for some people to believe you have value. Yeah, you know, I I took the time about three years out of my life to become a certified financial planner. One of the most difficult things I did, and at the end I looked at it and thought, what a waste of time that was, Um, because it was the advanced course. It was so technical, so complicated. And I looked at it and thought, this isn't what people need, even if they think they need this. Many times people want the advanced course when they're not executing the basic stuff that they already know. Kevin, I did a two shows on CNBC called The Millionaire Inside, where I was listed as one of the country's leading financial experts. And I was watching a commercial for the show, and it said, America's top four money gurus, answer your questions. And there was Kiyosaki and me and and, uh, David... uh, Bach and uh, several other people, Jennifer Openshaw, true financial experts. And there was me. And I sat there and thought, how did I get to be in this position? And then I did one of these kind of interviews. And a guy said, Larry, how did you become one of America's leading money gurus? And I said, you know, I'm not sure either, because pretty much all I got is spend less money than you earn. (laughs) And because 46% of Americans don't do that, I'm a guru. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. Simple ideas. How about spend less money than you earn? And since half the country doesn't do that, if they did that, they would have more money. Pretty simple stuff. But they, people think if we make it, and this is why they clamor to those advanced ideas, because if they don't understand it, don't get it, they can blame it. And see, it's easy to blame. Well, I never understood that. Nobody ever explained that to me. But when you make anything so incredibly simple that they can't come up with an excuse, one, they'll be mad about it because now their excuses don't work, and they can't blame anybody else for their failures. So I try to always drive down everything I do to just a handful of very simple principles to remove the excuses and force people to take responsibility around simple ideas. That's exactly what you were talking about. Couldn't agree more. I love the way you put that. It it makes it real clear. It comes down to what you're really known for, which is personal responsibility. What what do you say we're coming up on a break? What do you say we uh, come back and get to some callers and see what they want to talk about? Sounds good. All right, we'll do that. I'm going to take us into the break. We will be right back with more stuff. Check out the website, letstruck.com. Also, make sure you check out Larry's website, larrywingett.com. Bookmark it. Visit it often. There's tons of stuff there. A lot of it's free. We all love free stuff. And he's got updates constantly. Don't blame him if you get insomnia, though. I'll tell you, don't listen to it after 8 o'clock at night. It might be hard sleeping. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett is here with me, and we are going to get to your calls and questions and find out what you want to talk about. We are going to start off with our questions in Utah. Bill, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Kevin and Larry. Hey, uh, I do have a question, but you said something earlier that really struck a chord with me. You were talking about food and love. Oh, that is the secret ingredient. Um, a good analogy would be music. Technically, I could play Flight of the Bumblebee on sousaphone, technically perfect. But if I don't put passion and love in it, who wants to listen to it? Larry? Well, I couldn't disagree uh, with you more, Bill. I just couldn't. I, I understand what you're saying, but I think feeling is something that you are experiencing. It's not something that the audience can really feel on your behalf. I don't need your feeling to make that sound good to me. I need your technical ability. And so I'm just telling you, put two dishes down in front of me by um, by a chef who hates cooking and put one down in front of me by, from a chef who loves cooking, and if they're both good at it, I won't be able to tell the difference. We are paid for how good we are at what we do, not by how we personally feel about what we do. So it's fine if that's what you believe and if it works for you. But we have too many people in business it's not working for because they go back to saying, people buy my passion, people buy my love, and they're lousy at what they do. They use passion and love as an excuse for not being technically good. Okay, fair enough. Uh, to get back to my question, uh, I just discovered uh, late last week, uh, because I was going for a new position, uh, as going actually upgrading the owner-operator, uh, but the company that wanted to bring me on as an owner-operator uh, did their background check, and it came back that insurance said that I had a reckless driving. My NPR doesn't say that. Where How do did, I fight that? Where did they find it? If it's not on your 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 well, MBR, where how do they know it? Uh, to be quite honest, I don't know, and I have never received a ticket that has said reckless driving. Well, you, um, have you had? I'm what, looking you, at the time frame. You, you can't fight something you don't know what you're fighting so the first thing i'd ask them is is where that's coming up the other thing you have to be careful of if you've ever had a speeding ticket that was i believe in most places it's in excess of 15 miles an hour over posted that will show up as reckless i had 13 in New mexico and that is since falling off my record because that was well over three years yeah, you're probably um, better off. There are a ton of attorneys that specialize in just fighting these kinds of tickets, and they're very good. Even when they're legitimate, they're very good at getting them off. So this is probably one of those areas where you could run around trying to chase this yourself, or you could pay somebody that does it every day. Okay. Uh, what's Larry spin on this? You know, that's out of my area of expertise, really, Bill, because I, I don't know much about that. I would say that 
when you can't figure out the source, though, you don't have a way to fight it. You always have to go back to the source. And then uh, attorneys earn their money sometimes, and that's where you need one. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, Kevin and Larry. I do appreciate your time. You bet. All right. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks for the call. We're going to head off to Florida. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. Um, I just got a couple of comments. I believe that everyone in their lifetime, at some time, the opportunity to succeed shows up in front of them. But most people don't take it because it looks like a pair of overalls meaning they actually got to do some work and they are too hard. And then why do so many people in this country, they want everything for nothing, but they think they should get paid more for doing the little that they do. Hey, hey Larry, I'll, I'll let you jump in and, and address that. And if you couldn't tell, Paul uh, grew up in Toledo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things you say, you ain't from around here, are you? <laughs> On the deep south. Yeah. <laughs> Just like my accent gives me away, I understand. Listen, uh, you're right that uh, work is one of the main reasons people aren't successful. It's not lack of knowledge. It's lack of work. Uh, and I believe everybody knows everything it takes to be successful. It's just they're not willing to do whatever it takes to be successful. So you're correct about that. In terms of your other thing that you brought up, that comes down to entitlement. And we have a society right now that is based in entitlement. It's based in deservability. I deserve more than I am receiving. I deserve better treatment. I deserve more money. I deserve more free stuff from the government. And what we have to do is try to get a shift, and we're not going to change the country. We're not going to change people, anybody else's minds. All we can do is change our own sense of entitlement to understand that we are living our life and we have exactly what we deserve already. Everybody gets what they deserve. Sorry, I know it's an ugly comment, but you get what you deserve at some level. Once you take responsibility for that idea and stop blaming anyone else and then go out and increase your value, that's when you start to receive more. But only then. We are all paid in direct proportion to the service and value that we provide. Larry, you know, I had an example of this recently, and there's a big controversy going on in trucking right now. It has to do with electronic logging, government. It's not important what it is. We don't need to get deep into it. But there there was a, a huge push on social media to start this protest, go to D.C., um, and I, I disagreed with almost everything they were doing. Didn't necessarily disagree with the premise, um, the problem was this regulation, you know, started over six years ago and nobody said anything till now. It's already law. It's going into effect December 18th. It's already passed. So I actually had one of the leaders of the group on my show. The guy did an excellent job. We had a, a nice civil discussion, even though we disagreed on every single point. And I was actually trying to help him out. I, I was pointing out some ways where I thought their message was completely wrong and was actually hurting their movement. And it blew up on social media. And the thing that people kept saying that just drove me nuts was I pointed out a, a video that was absolutely disgusting to me 
the way they were representing truck drivers. It, it was horrible. And when I pointed it out, the phrase that got, re- it got replied to over and over and over was, well, at least they're trying. At least they're doing something. And I thought, this is what's wrong with the way we're raising our kids, the way we act as a society. Just doing something isn't good enough. You don't get a trophy for showing up. Well, I guess you do, but you shouldn't. Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've moved our focus from effort. uh, We've moved our focus to effort and emotion instead of results. And that's where we're, we're so off track. It goes back to the love and passion thing and the effort thing. You're trying. We are not paid for how hard we try or for how much emotion we put into anything. We're only paid for results. That's it. I, that's what I was trying to point out. No, no personal insults. You know, I didn't get nasty. I just said, look, your message is not going to work. This is a lousy way to get what you're trying to get. Even though I disagree with it anyway, I I was trying to help. You know, look at what you're doing, and overwhelmingly it was just, well, you should just shut up because at least they're doing something. Well, it's just sad. (laughs) And there are so many examples of that, and that's a perfect one for, for this conversation. And I don't believe in giving credit, at least for trying. Uh, trying is not based in quality. Trying is not based in accomplishment. Trying is not based in anything except uh, an excuse. Well, at least they're trying. That's an excuse. The other thing, and I know you just love this word, I, I will say they were very passionate about their cause. You know, I want to remind everybody who's listening about passion. I want them to look it up in the dictionary. It is defined as a barely controllable emotion. Why do we want barely controllable emotions anywhere near our business or our cause? Barely controllable emotion. I I keep that for my family, my grandkids. I can barely control my emotion that I have for my little grandson. Really. I can barely control the emotions I have for my dog, Leon. And I know you probably feel the same way about Diesel, and I certainly know that Lisa does. But the point is, I keep emotion away from my business, and I focus on value, service, and results. Fantastic. Hey, we've got one more segment. When we come back, we're going to get to your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett's here with me. We're going to find out what you want to talk about right after this break.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Larry Wingett's here with me. We're going to get to your calls and questions. We are off to Georgia. Matt, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Um, Well, Kevin, you uh, kind of stole my subject there. (laughs) Um, Well, earlier, Larry, you said people get paid for results, not for their feelings. And this, our trucking industry is, (laughs) has some major issues with that right now. A lot of people think, you know, because we move America, we put, you know, supplies on shelves and in the stores and all that, that we deserve respect just because we move freight. And, you know, there's some people that say we should shut this country down to show, to prove to the general public how important we are. Yeah, they, they want to demand certain pay scales and all that. Well, the pay scale is set by supply and demand. And if you're not supplying a decent service, then that's why you're not getting paid enough. Well, I agree with you. That's yep. uh, it, it always comes down to that your income is in direct proportion to the size of the problem that you solve. And if we're solving low-end problems, we get paid low-end money. And the more we understand the customer's problem, the more we listen to them, then the more value that gives us the opportunity to provide. When the more value that we provide, then our level of worth and value in the customer's eyes goes up, and that's how we make more money. Larry, I, I got to tell you, when when I see these posts, and I see them all the time. The the you know from the trucking community, they'll post, you know, here's empty store shelves. This is what would happen if if we didn't show up for work. I'm not a real popular guy because I have a pretty standard response to that. I go in and and put in, like, what would happen if the oil workers didn't show up and you weren't able to get fuel in your truck? And the people who build your truck and the people who who produce the supplies that you're moving and the the police that, you know, keep the roads. And I just go on and on and on. I mean, we have a complicated economy. Everybody has to show up and do their job. We we actually have, and, and I'm not popular, This there's a week out of the year, it's called Truck Driver Appreciation Week. And I just blast this every single week. And I say, look, you know, hate me for it if you want, but I really don't appreciate every truck driver. There are lots of them that are just horrible at what they do, and they put people in danger every day on the road. I don't appreciate those people at all. And to me, if you appreciate everybody, then you're appreciating nobody. So the the whole idea of this week where we're going to appreciate you just because you have this title makes me crazy. If you appreciate somebody for what they did, then tell them as an individual. Well... That goes back to something that I said in my parenting book about telling people they are special, telling your kids they are special. When we start being special for being rather than doing, then we've created a huge entitlement mentality. And so telling truck drivers they're special simply because they're truck drivers, that's not good. Telling a cop they're special because they're cops. Telling you you're special because you host this program or me because I go on stages and speak. It doesn't do any good. It's like giving everybody respect, even the bad ones. So it needs to be more 
individual value service based rather than this blanket aren't we all special that level of thinking aren't we all special aren't we wonderful aren't we all glorious creations and blah 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 that's what got us into this huge entitlement problem that we're living with in every single area of society right now and i applaud you for not contributing to that way of thinking even though i just can't imagine how much negative feedback you get for oh yeah i i get blasted for that one but you know, the, because of the the protest and all the controversy right now, something I've heard for 30 years, Matt mentioned it, you know, the, the truck drivers feel like if they could get enough drivers together, they could shut the country down, and they could if they could get enough people together. And, and it's one of those times where I try to tell them, look, be careful what you wish for. If you ever pulled that off, it would be the worst thing that could ever happen for the trucking industry. I, how, how do they believe yep. anybody would ever respond in a positive way to that? Uh, that's, that's really an inflated ego. That's your ego getting in front of your common sense. And that's putting your ego ahead of, uh, of your pocketbook too. That'll hurt you in the long run. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Hey, we're, we're gonna, we've got several minutes here left, but, uh, I'd like to end this on a, a little lighter, fun, positive note. Um, one of, one of my favorite books of all times, it came from a recommendation you gave me the very first time. Had you on the show, so I always look for you for recommendations, TV shows, books, food, anything that uh, sticks out for you recently? You know, a, a book I like to recommend, and it kind of depends on where you are in life. We all really do get busy and we work hard, and that's great, and I value that. But one of the things I've learned to value, maybe because of age, maybe because of where I am in my life, is learning. I mean learning, and it's a learned skill and and a tactic, how to slow down and appreciate and pay attention. And I think that gets lost when people are growing their business. So I recommend the book, First You Have to Row a Little Boat. First You Have to Row a Little Boat by Richard Bode. He wrote another one called Beachcombing at Miramar. And it's about slowing down and gaining appreciation to what's surrounding you. There is an art to being still, and we all need that in order to stay fresh and keep fresh. That's my book recommendation. Let me jump in, and I'll come back and see if you have anything else. Because I I found that book on one of your lists somewhere when I was on your website, and I thought, well, that sounds like an interesting book. I don't know anything about rowing. Uh, That was an awesome book. I I thoroughly enjoyed that book. Good. Good, good. It it helps me. I try to read it, oh, every couple of years at least, both of those. Yeah, that's a great one. First, you have to row a little boat. Um, I I found a new author, novels, and, and, you know, I need a break once in a while. I love to read novels. When I find a new author, I get excited, especially if they have a lot of books, and this guy does. Andrew Maine, M-A-Y-N-E. I'd never heard of him before. Just happened to grab one of his books on Kindle and ended up reading like four in a row in the week. So uh, that was good. And a new TV show, absolutely love. I don't know why I get so hooked on these kind of things. Have you seen PD Live? No, I have not. So it's kind of like cops, except where cops, they ride around film and then they edit it into a show. This is happening in real time. No editing whatsoever. They are with six different police 
forces around the country. It's a three-hour show every Friday and Saturday night. The really cool thing was I, I, I love the show. I've been watching it for a couple months now. They're on their second season. I grew up in a little town in Ohio called Streetsboro. They've been on two of the shows. So it was kind of fun to watch the cops, you know, riding around in my hometown. But I guess I just like watching people be idiots because that you see a lot of that on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can go anywhere and see people being idiots. I just finished up Ten Star on Prime, and, and it's a story of a um, London undercover cop who moves to Canada and becomes the sheriff in this little bitty town that got, is kind of corrupt. And it, it was a great, you know, few hours of entertainment. It's a series, just had one season out so far. But I got a kick out of it, got stuck in it for a few hours. Great way to kill an evening. Yeah, absolutely. I know you travel around a lot. You're always looking for good food. Our listeners travel around a lot. Uh, any restaurants that uh, stick out right now that you'd recommend? You know, it's been my favorite now for a couple of years. If anybody's in Vegas, you've got to go to B&B, named after Mario Batali and um, uh, his partner Bastianich, who's a wine guy, B&B, and have beef cheek raviolis with black truffles. Sit at the bar, go in by yourself, have the beef cheek raviolis, and if you don't tear up a little bit over how good that is, there's just something wrong. It is absolutely amazing. So it's still way high on my list. The other one is also a a Mario Batali restaurant just a few hundred yards away, and it's called Carnivino. And if you like dry-aged steaks, a big bone-in ribeye that's huge and worth every penny you'll pay for it, that's a good place. Oh, that dry-aged steak sounds good. I haven't been to either one of those. Those are two good recommendations for me. If you ever get up here to visit us, which you really should do, Lisa and I found one, and all you have to do is hear the name to know it's going to be good. It's called Lardo. Oh, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> they have... I, totally in. Anything that has to do with lard, I'm in. They, this is just amazing. It's just a tiny little, almost kind of a sandwich shop, but everything's around lard. I actually ate pig's ears, and they are so good, they will make you cry. We... Uh, I agree. Yeah, we'll have to do that sometime. Larry, thanks so much. We're going to do this again next month. And uh, any final words? You know, my final word is this. Focus on who you are because what you do comes out of who you are. Fantastic. Great stuff as always. Check out Larry's website, LarryWinget.com. We'll see you again next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always. Do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford.